<laughs> Did you like the? <laughs> hey, it's me, Stephanie, and this is Sanctioned by Stephanie. And tonight we got a female in the house. I'm super excited. We don't get a lot of females in the comedy industry. <laughs> we have a very, very funny headlining comic. She's been all over the place uh, Austin, LA, New York, everywhere. Very, very funny, and also a really awesome person in the community. Please give it up for Melanie Hearn. Yo, yo, what up, though? What up, Dave? Say hi to the can people. Hello, hello, people. <laughs> we keep them in the can over there. Um, so, Melanie, thanks for finally coming over. I'm so excited to have you by. Um, thanks for having me. I, uh, I really, really want to hear about you and your backstory and, like, growing up and uh, how you got into comedy. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and the story of Melanie? Yeah, ready for the violins? Pull them out. Pull them out. Yeah. Uh, I was a young lad back in the 80s. Um, the story of Melanie is kind of, a I've, I could say, just jumping right into it. Uh, like most of us, we've always been weird. We've always been the class clown. Uh, we've always talked too much. We've always uh, did too much at family reunions. We've always, we've always referred to ourselves as we. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> we've always referred to ourselves in the third person. Yep. So, um that was always an indication that I was always different. Uh, I always felt like I was different from everybody else. I saw stuff differently. I laughed at stuff differently. My brain processed stuff um, differently. So, but I never thought it had anything to do with comedy. You know, right. it was just, you know, just, it was I just, that was just me. Yeah. Um, I was always called weird my whole life. Uh, Cause I just, I found solace in myself. I knew how yeah. to, play with myself as a kid. I knew how to, you know, right, right. I had imaginary friends, Penelope. I was always kept just, yourself entertained. Yeah, so I was always all over the place. That's the best kind of kid too. By yeah, the way. like I didn't bother anybody. Like I legit. Like here's the thing, nerd. Like I was a big time. I don't know if you call it nerd, but I was a big reader. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that opened up my mind to a lot of uh, imagination. Like I legit would have a nightlight, uh, you know, the um, lamps, the little that you attach to the book. Yep, yep. And yep. then you can read at yep. nighttime yeah. or in the car. So um, I think that was always kind of opened me up to. You know, just being creative in, in different worlds. Yeah. Um, as far as comedy is concerned, I funny thing is I always watched um, Whoopi Goldberg and Chevy Chase and Steve Martin and Martin Short and Billy Crystal because I couldn't watch all Were you the, into Three Amigos like I was? I was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. You know, all the Chevy Chase movies, all the uh, National Lampoons, uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so they were more like comedic actors. and Right, right. And, you know, they were always over the top. So, right. you know, just always being over the top. Um, but then you'd see them on, like, Comic Relief doing stand-up, and you're like, whoa, Robin yeah, Williams you know, does stand-up? <laughs> you know? But here's the thing. I never saw those guys do stand-up until much later on. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, like, okay. the, the stand-up people that I actually saw, because my parents wouldn't let me watch, you know, obviously... Yeah. The cussing and stuff like that were people like Sinbad. Yeah. They were clean. Yeah. Um, we were allowed to watch a lot of Sinbad. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of uh, like Mr. Curry, Mark Cooper. Mm-hmm. He was clean. Mm-hmm. Um, who else was clean? Um, <laughs> Bill Cosby. He was, <laughs> but I don't remember his stand up. Like my, my dad my dad used to have one of his albums. <clears throat> so I had heard, I remember hearing his stand up more than seeing it. Yeah. You know? Like him, I don't really remember. But um, just to kind of fast forward, comedy, I, I believe, came. Um, the first glimpse of it was, I would say, in the sixth grade. Um, mm-hmm. 
I was a chubby little kid, and being chubby in the 80s was not cool. Um, you know, we just start getting to a point where it's like, I'm proud to be thick. You know, back then, it was not <laughs> the boogie. Yeah. And uh, I had a guy that used to tease me and talk, you know, crap about me and shit all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, one day, I just said something back. He said something to me, and I said something back, and the class laughed. And then he said something again, and the class laughed again. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere in my sixth grade mind, I figured out that was my defense mechanism. Right. So it was like... Oh, because it was nothing that you was going to say about me that has not already been said. You right. already hurt my feelings. You mm-hmm. already told me everything I was. So now it was time for me to use that because right. you couldn't, because everybody already heard it. Yeah, you know the, ra- the rails are off. The I rails like, are off like, now. I'm coming at you. Forget and so it. Um, slowly but surely, it kind of started coming out. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just kind of started roasting people. You say something to me, I'm going to roast you back. Yep. And then it just kind of. Um, it protected me, you yeah, know, and yeah. it was a, so comedy became as a, a again, uh, a safety zone. It was my defense mechanism, um, for people, you know, bullying me. I yeah. wouldn't say bully, but you know, trying to hurt my feelings. So you realized you were funny like when you started making other kids laugh yeah. at your bullies. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, pretty <laughs> That's much. That's great. Um, Harvey bitch ass. Anyway, <laughs> um, you know, you just never forget the person's name. So like uh, Harvey bitch ass. Anyway. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah, I remember all their names too. I was a chubby kid too. <laughs> so you kind of remember that kind of stuff. And then um so that's where the the onset of me kind of getting into that realm or thinking, you know, yeah. about comedy. So when did you actually think about actually doing this as a job as as even a hobby too? Like when did you start getting on stage and and deciding that you were going to try an open mic. Um, so that's uh, kind of a twofold story. Um, the first time I actually saw a person doing comedy that was not, like just at a regular place that looked like me, that was talking like me, that actually made me was like, oh, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know Crystal P, uh, but Crystal P is a comedian and she was doing a my church had like a something on the like a church anniversary or something on the boat right right and um she was down there performing okay and i just remember being like oh my gosh you know what i'm saying because yeah. i always would look at the people on like when i got older the people on deaf comedy jam and you know like those comedians and stuff like that and my comedy wasn't like that and right. i never seen anybody who comedy was like mine so i didn't think i had a place right so yeah, I was always toying. So that was about 2008. So I was okay. toying with it in my head. Okay. Never, like, you know, I reached out to her, and I think she was like, you know, if you need some help, you know, come. But I never did anything with it. Right, right, right. Um, after that, this long story short, you know, did the whole thing that everybody told me I was supposed to do. Went to college, graduated, got a good job, you know, was on my way to law school, all that good stuff. Um, You know, did all the good stuff. Probation officer, paralegal you know right. I, I went to try out to law school like i applied to all these schools i went i got to set i sat there i tried and i was like i fucking hate this yeah i, I, I fucking hate this mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah and i was so miserable like i was miserable and then like i had a bad breakup and then that just and i was i was depressed i was like in a really bad space from like 2008 to shit 2000 and well like i would say 2011 um, to like 14. And really? then one day my mother was like, and you know, mamas know they kids. Mm-hmm. And everybody who knows me knows that Melanie smiles. Right. To see Melanie not smile for months and just be, ugh. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom was like, Something's that's not up. you. Something's up. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I saw some, uh, I was reading the paper and I saw some, uh, an advertisement for some comedy classes at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Okay. And she was like, I'm tired of you walking around with the boo-boo face. I'm going to give you this $200. Call them, see when the class start. Just by God's hand, 
Cheryl, class started Cheryl. that weekend. Oh, <laughs> your mom's the best. Yep. So it's like a Tuesday. The class started that Saturday. Uh, I walked into the class. It was like early December. And when I tell you, my fucking life changed. Like, I, I yeah. hadn't even walked on stage. The air was where I knew I needed to be. The pictures on the wall. Just, just everything. The smell. Right. Just everything. I was like, this is my, this is it. You right. know, this is my tribe. And then that was it. Yeah. See, I think I think I would have went down that same path if COVID didn't happen. And if I hadn't met comics before. Because that was where I was at. I was like, okay. I'm just going to go in and I'm going to start taking classes. But then everything shut down. And it was like, okay, so what am I going to do now? You know, but what was a lot of the things that you gained from doing that class? The biggest thing I would say is, and, and that was a funny story too, because again, I thought I was doing it wrong because right. like Bill was helping me, but he wasn't giving me a lot of help. You know what I'm saying? And right. then like the, his co- his coaching style was, and teaching style was very different. And he, he had me get on stage way. and he had me get on stage and was like, what do you do for a living? You know, are you single? Tell me about your day, blah, blah, blah. And I just start talking. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I know. He was like, congratulations. You wrote your five minute set. And I go home and keep write it out it. and yeah. keep doing it. And then, um, but it definitely taught me um, stage presence, being comfortable in a club setting, mm-hmm. just working in the club environment. You know, yeah, they, teach you, they teach you etiquette, um, certain small nuances, you know. Uh, understanding the light, knowing yeah. what the light is, performing yeah. with a light in your face, uh, moving the microphone out your way. I mean, it's small mechanics, but it's still things that. Yeah, one of the one of the things that they told me was like, "You're really loud," and I was like, "I've never really even thought about myself being loud." But when you're on stage at like Rusty Nail and you're talking over a bunch of people, it's different. You you go and you be louder, and those are the kinds of stages that I'm used to. So it was kind of like, oh, so every time I've done Ridley's like open mic, or I did I did host it one time, it's like you learn more and more from that club atmosphere yeah. and how to pre- how to actually just go up there and present yourself too you know so Definitely. um and it taught me how to write a set right it did teach me how to perform a set and drill that set into my brain until it was just i'm tired of it so um funny story just real quick because you yeah. want to jump here so comedy in michigan and, and, and most places just the world is set up in two different ways you got mainstream and you got urban mm-hmm. The delivery, the style is just different. Different. So I started on the mainstream side for about two years. Nobody even knew I was doing comedy. Right. So then when I came to the urban side, mm-hmm. um, I was thankful because I had already had a set. Right, right. You were already established. I, I, you know, I was already polished. Mm-hmm. I already, you know, for somebody that was only maybe two years in the game or y'all just meeting me, right. I looked very polished. But but that because, you know, I performed in the club settings a lot and it taught me how to, um, you know, have a whole presentation. Have a whole presentation. And, you know? and you command an audience, too, because, like, I mean, just, just like, seeing you just even just walking through a crowd right now at a bar or on a stage stage. You know what I mean? It's like, it's so, it's, you do have that good presence and that commanding presence. So mommy really took care of you and pursued, and she really helped you pursue. She did. She did. Who are your influences? I know you said a couple earlier, but who are your biggest influences in comedy? Like, uh you said Whoopi earlier. Um, anybody like more in the recent? Who do I look at? Here's the funny part. I I I don't watch so a lot of comedy now these days mm-hmm. because you know um, you see it. Every I night. see it every night. <laughs> I wouldn't say I have one particular person. If we're talking like national acts and stuff like that, a lot of them, you know, I just like to watch them work. You yeah, know? and I like to see how they work out their material. I like to see how 
it might start here and it might go somewhere else, you know, um, like I was at the Laugh Factory and I saw Kevin Hart working some stuff out and I was like, oh, okay, he a storyteller like me, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to see what the finished product is going to be, you know, Um, so I watched, you know, I've I've been able to see different people in different styles by being in L.A., Um, so it's like I couldn't really particularly put my finger on one person. Mm -hmm. I would say more influences that I see would be more, uh, you know, more locally, you know, yeah. Um, I Who do say, you like locally? And then, you know, always, Josh is always going to be a fair because Josh, um, right. Josh is better because Josh helped me learn to do crowd work um, because we hosted a show together and essentially I had to follow him every time. He would come up and introduce somebody due time, then I would have to come up. So mm-hmm. that made me have to follow Josh every time. Right. So just watching him work and do crowd work mm-hmm. is awesome. Um, I would say uh, my friend, uh, and my, my shake and bake, Heather J. Watching how her mind works and take something so serious and then just make it funny. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Like just making the history of Detroit funny. You know and what I'm saying? And also you were saying you're kind of nerdy. She's kind of nerdy yeah, too. Yeah, you I know, like that. and so that's, uh, yeah, so just, I would say because I would say she, I saw a space where it was okay for me to, you know, nerd it out sometimes or, you know, talk about stuff that that you don't think most women would talk about, you know? Um, so, so hear, hear me out. So do you feel like the women that you have met in comedy, like Heather, that you can actually like feel like more accepted than most other women in your life from these women? Because like, like me and Kara have a, a good friendship and like, when she, I first met her, she was like the second woman I met. Genevieve hightailed it out to Austin, so I didn't get to hang out with her too much. But when I met Kara, like we started hanging out, and it's like, I was like, man, I wish there were girls like you in high school. You know what I mean? Because I didn't have friends like you. I had people that I couldn't really be myself in front of all the time. You know what I mean? So it's like, like we hung out the last couple of days, and it was like, I'm like, damn, that is like probably one of the better conversations I've ever had with a female in my lifetime, just because it's like we're all kind of weird in our own in that same way Absolutely. too. Yeah, like, but yeah, like I I seen you and you and Heather came up to New Dodge one night when she was in town, and you guys were you know riding riding together and stuff, and I was just like, I was like, damn. That's exactly what it is. That's like we're finding people just like us and we're making these connections and these bonds and we're being funny as hell doing it and making more funny stuff out of it, too. So and then what end up happening is when you find a friend or somebody like that, that's the person that you'll end up writing a lot with. We tag each other jokes because we understand each other's voice and we understand each other's people. Yeah. So it's some stuff that. She know that I'm not going to say because she knows me as a person. Right. So you're not going to give me a tag all off left field. Right. You know, because you know I'm not going to be like, I put it in the mail because I don't talk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I don't know not to know, but that's just not my voice. <laughs> right, you right, know? right, right. Um, and what I will say in this business, um, you're going to lose some friends. Oh, yeah. You are going <laughs> to lose some friends because people are not going to relate to you to the new you. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to understand why you want to sit in these <laughs> shitty bars all night. They're not going to understand. Yep. Uh, you know, why you just ain't, don't have time to come around or why they just became so boring. Um, <laughs> I do have to make room for my regular friends. Yeah. So, you know, I do. And not saying that they're boring, but I do have to make room in time. But it's just because comedy consumes so much of my life and yeah. who I am. Most of my conversations, even if it's not about comedy, it's going to be something stupid mm-hmm. or the way I say it, or, you know, it, it's 
most of our conversations, and I don't know if it's like here, if anybody picked up the phone, they would be like, this is so fucking inappropriate. This <laughs> exactly. Is so it borders yeah, on. Yeah. No, if any, if the FBI is listening in on me right now, you know, if we're wiretapped, <laughs> this, this shit, we're definitely getting some, something, something is getting thrown at us. One of the books something, is getting thrown at I'm, us. <laughs> I'm getting in trouble for some scene. Something is happening. But that's the beauty of comedy. You actually, you find your tribe. Yeah. And you find a clique of people who, who roll with you. And uh, a friend of mine, uh, the dude, he was saying, yeah. like, I noticed that comedians, y'all are like a family. You know, that's different from every other, because actresses and that, uh, any other entertainment, you kind of pit against each other for the right. most part. And right. even though we are, it's still a lane for everybody. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think with comedians... Once you get on the stage and you prove yourself and you, you know, you kind of get there, then you become a member of the family. Now, right. to what degree we fool with you, that's like family. Right. You might be a distant cousin. You might be a third cousin. Right. You might be a sister brother, but just depends on how we fool with you. But right. once you made the commitment to get on that stage and actually see it through, you know, it's kind of a. Yeah. You're like you know, a connection. Yeah, It's almost like church. When I mean, once yeah. you get baptized, you in the body. You know yep, what I'm saying? Yep. It doesn't mean that you're there every Sunday. There, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, and it don't mean we're going to treat you right. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. we're going to acknowledge that you are at least a comedian. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing too. Like I always, I always give everybody props, but it's like, I make sure to tell the ones that are getting better that I notice that they're getting better. Like, Hey, you're getting, because people did that to me. So it made me feel better and it actually helped me grow. So one thing I will say, people say that they and I've heard this beforehand and at first I didn't agree with it. But the longer I got into comedy, I see for new comedians, don't nobody really see you until yeah. the next year, until you there again, because I don't have time to be mm-hmm. talking to somebody that I am not going to see in six months. Right. There's no dig, but that is exhausting. Yes. Um, you know, what I mean, six months is in eight years. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. What year did you actually um, come back then with Ridley's? Was that did I, 2014, did you say? Did I start at Ridley's? That's when you started Ridley's? 14 or 15. I'm okay. Sorry, but I think okay. 14. 15, yeah. one up, 15, I think. Okay. And so, it, I'm like, honestly, how many years does it feel like? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> right? I'm like, I just had my year anniversary. I'm like, it feels like three. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, yeah. I, listen, all the stuff that people can like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, in those years, I'm like, you didn't picked up and moved across the country. You didn't been on the, but you didn't been a lot. You just <laughs> did a lot in these last couple. But it has been a whirlwind, and it has been the best time of my absolute life. Yeah. So. And on that, we're gonna take our break, and we'll be back with the unsanctioned seven, the seven random questions with Melanie Hearn. We're back with all those good vibes from Melanie Hearn, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen. Get with it. There we go. Proper. Okay. All right. So this next part of the show is the unsanctioned seven. The seven random questions oh, man. <laughs> that I come up with for every guest. Melanie just looked at me like, is this fucking, uh, <laughs> who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> no, there are no prizes on Sanctioned by Stephanie, just questions and no reward. So, <laughs> all right. The first question, oops, let's see here. First question. I am a breakfast fiend. I love breakfast, a good breakfast, right? 
What does your perfect breakfast look like? Coney Island. Coney Island? Hungry man. But like what kind of food? Bacon, Hungry man? Eggs, hash browns, uh, crispy with onions and green peppers and french toast. Are we fucking with, oh, we're not fucking with pancakes. French no, toast. I'm french toast. I'm okay. Not. All right. Cool. I like that. That's probably like on a good day, five ninety nine, right? <laughs> Fucking Coney Islands. Coney. People don't really get the Coney Islands abroad, do they? No, not until I moved to LA that I realized how much I miss Coney Island. Okay, the food in California effing sucks. All right, so unless you got a bunch of money, but the whole right. thing is regular people food. No, so not I miss great. Coney Island. Yeah, Coney's all the way. Um. Okay, what conspiracy theory do you believe in or could you believe in <laughs> if somebody did some convincing? Mm. What conspiracy? Any assassination I don't believe. I don't believe it's what is what y'all said it was. Like, oh, okay. okay, I don't believe it is what y'all said it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So most most things most conspiracies that deal with assassination of uh Black leaders yeah. and people instrumental in the community. Um, sometimes if you got me good enough, I'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's right. Yeah. I totally um, just watched uh, the new season of American Horror Story, and they did a whole thing about how, like, the, all the assassinations are all related to aliens. And, like, I was just like, I'm kind of on board with this. This makes sense. Or Stranger so. Things. Stranger, Stranger things. things got me out here thinking it can be a whole a whole thing in somebody's basement and they got a whole experiment. <laughs> For real. Leeches. All right. Uh, number three, what was the worst job you've ever had? You told me you have a lot you've had a lot of jobs in your life. What's the worst one you've ever had? Telemarketing at ACS when I had to call and do fundraising for people. And it was like a meat market. You know how Wall Street, Wolf of Wall Street is, but for telemarketers, it yeah. was like that. Was that in Southfield? <laughs> yes. I and, know exactly what you're talking about. And everybody in there, and I would, I would be fucking up the charity, so I was high, so I'd be fucking up the charity. It's like, I'm calling from the, the fire department, oh, the ambulance for Boston. <laughs> and it was just ridiculous. I, that was probably the worst Even shot. worse than the funeral home? The funeral home, I made money. And you made money at the funeral yeah. home. Didn't Did you ever have to touch dead bodies? Mm-mm. No. I was at the cemetery. So oh, by the okay. time they got to me, they was already Oh, they was already taken care of. Yeah. Bagged and tagged. But I made money. You made money there. But I would say that was probably the worst job I had. Yeah, it's annoying to have to call people. What did you want to become when you were a kid? Like, what did you want to be when you grew up? A star. A star? I always wanted to be a star. I always want to be a star. I always wanted to be a star. All right. That was pretty easy. That is pretty easy. All right, number five. Would you rather live in the city or in the countryside for the rest of your life? City. City? City? City. I had to see if you were really a city girl. I'm a city girl. Yeah. Damn. Damn. I don't have a problem with the country. I can go to the country every now and again. But, but for just a visit. To be out there all the time, like your nearest neighbors is 20 miles away. I don't, listen, somebody is bound to get killed. Like somebody is bound <laughs> It's very murdery. The country is very murdery. It is very murdery. Um, I grew up in the country, but it was kind of like, you know, city adjacent. And it was like, 
you know, 20 minutes to the grocery store. So you had to plan it once a week. You go to the grocery store. It's like, man, now the convenience of the city and living in the city, like, I can just go get milk whenever I want. You know what I mean? Like, fuck that. Yeah, I'm a city person all day. I need to. That's why the country people all shop at Costco and Sam's Club because they can't. And it's Dollar Generals and all that. I can't do it. And there's nothing wrong with the city. I get it. And it it, it is a place for it, but just not 24-7. Not 24-7. All right. Number six. What is the worst thing that a person can put in their bio on a dating app? Mm. <laughs> You're a single lady. <laughs> what is the worst thing? Oh gosh, I've had so many guys put horrible shit. I think one of the worst things you can put is like uh I hate the guys that always put shit like uh you know what I'm saying, you gotta be, you know, you gotta be light skinned or you gotta be something like mm-hmm. they put the criteria in there like what you gotta be. You yeah. Know? Or don't ask the ones that put all the stuff that they don't ask. Like, don't ask me for no money. Don't ask me for nothing. All females are the same. If you if you put female, female in your bio, female that's in a your red bio, flag. That is a definite red <laughs> effing flag. Do not put female in your bio. You know. Yeah. So it, it's it's. What's like the craziest uh, thing you've sli- you've swiped on like to choose? Do you ever swipe on anybody crazy like just to fuck with them and see what they say? Um. So I am new to like the whole Tinder swiping and all okay. that stuff. So I think I be swiping the wrong people. Like I swipe the wrong way sometimes. <laughs> so this one guy swiped and he was cute. And we were talking on uh this when I was in LA. We were talking, messaging each other and everything. And I was like, um, I don't even know how we got to it, but you know, he was just asking me First of all, red flags. When people ask you who you stay with, where you stay, all that kind of stuff, that's already you're like, what we you like. We should just do a whole red flag you section know what I'm right saying? now. That's already something. And then he was like, uh, and I was like, where you stay at? He like, you know, uh, I'm in a uh, halfway house in Watts. And I was like, I know the fuck you did not. <laughs> <laughs> and he had just got out of federal prison. Oh, so. my God. San Quentin. You know what I'm saying? Literally, because you're in California. Yeah. You're in federal, like, <laughs> Melanie is a Melanie called a felony. Literally, always catch somebody called a with a felony. felony. <laughs> okay, so the last question: What is your most unshakable belief? My most unshakable belief. Um, well, I'm a Christian. I, my unshakable belief is that Jesus died for our sins. That's my yeah. most unshakable belief. Yeah. That I. Uh, I figured that. I, I, <laughs> I figured am, that. That's, that's who I am. So, but I wanted know. to talk about that because uh, I, you, you, you did tell me about we did we talked about faith a little bit and uh, that you are very faithful and I, I really, I really think that that's great. Do you go to church every Sunday or do you? You know when you can. Um, I'm there because well. Oh wait, you I, were talking about watching it on TV. Yeah, either I watch it on like Facebook Live or at some point in time I actually help with the yeah Facebook. Usually I'm there, but yeah. if uh, but like if before pandemic and COVID, then I, I'm there every Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I grew up Catholic, so it's like <laughs> it's not as welcoming as like just you know, just uh, like uh, Christian faith. <laughs> it's a little bit more like you have to follow these rules, you have to do these things. So, so fun fact about Melanie: I started on a lot of men, and I was in I was a debutante. Okay, uh, where I had to wear a dress and come out to Christian society. Really? Yeah, where I had to learn how to fold table napkins and place settings and dinner nap and all that stuff so wow um, that's real southern too very fancy yeah kind fancy, of bow courtesy yeah. my auntie mabel you know mm-hmm. curtsy and bow and you know all that kind of stuff and um ran the sound you know did all the sound stuff right uh at church and i even taught children's church to the kids yeah yeah you know so do you sing um, 
No, I don't. You didn't do choir. I was in the choir, but I was in oh. the back. You know, oh, you were like, I was I'm, in the back, you know, I'm just I'm hanging not. back here. Yeah, that was my cousin. Cousin, you know, you got, got one cousin. He, he was I the got breakout. My participation trophy. Yeah, he was. He was the breakout artist. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. In, in the family, you know, everybody had their thing. But um, yeah. So that's pretty much um. One of these days, I'm gonna talk about trying to find a church in L. A. It was so hard. Yeah, L. A. Is so. No, it's it's weird because my parents would always try to find when we'd go visit my my aunt that lives there. My parents would try to find a church because we were going to school and doing uh, catechism and everything. And it was like they called like so many places. You have to have like an appointment to go to church sometimes there. I can see because it's probably so many people. But just trying to find like an actual church to me, that was like a a real church where it wasn't like, oh, um, one church I went to, like Tyrese was there. I mean, that church I did like, you know what I'm saying? But one church I went to, um, Denzel Washington's son went there and they had a presentation with him. And I was like, it's church. It's church. Why we got to do this? And then one I went to, it was like all ex game bangers. And, uh, you know, it was all, you know, like, I love the Lord, Holmes. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, everybody had a little tattoos like, Jesus Christ, man, he's my savior. And uh, then the other ones was like the, agape churches where everything was like so go to your higher level oh gosh and it's the white ladies that have like the little earpieces in the filipino guy that's high energy (laughs) with the bobby brown microphone that'd be like go to your higher level and your higher self and you synergize and you go and you go and you have agape love and i'm like jesus ain't nobody said jesus (laughs) ain't nobody i've been here 90 minutes and ain't nobody said jesus oh my god so So it was hard church in in la is completely extra and also, uh, you know, with the gangs and stuff, you got to know, you know, I lived in one color territory and one church I wanted to go to was in another color. And I feel like I didn't even want to, when they seen my address, they was like, no, no, cuz you can't, See you can't you come later. over here. Get, get can't work show with here. us cuz, you know what I'm saying? Go here. back over there. <laughs> homie, little homie, don't oh, come over man. here. Like, uh, Jesus don't wear blue. Like, I- <laughs> <laughs> so it just, you know. Set my tides back and made me go back to the other side of town. Oh. It was a whirlwind trying to find a church. Man, <laughs> why take it a drink of tequila? Like, it's too, it's, 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 it was, it's that's a, why it's whirlwind to find a church in LA. Oh my gosh! But um, yeah, uh, like faith is a funny. It's a funny thing sometimes because you know it's like it's a very personal thing, but it's also like you have to share it with other people when you go and you worship. So. Um, for me right now, I'm just refining like my personal faith, and then I'll probably go to a church soon. <laughs> so like, I'm not coming to church JD, with you. <laughs> one thing that JD and I kind of have in common, and most of us do, is like, I believe um, on stage is one thing, and off stage is another thing, and I just believe that my ministry is through comedy to make people laugh, to change their moods, to bring joy to a situation that, you know, because like they say, even in the Bible after is good for the soul. Right. The second half of it is coming in contact with my peers and other comedians and other people who might not ever, ever go to church, ever, ever darken the doorstep, but they'll meet me. Right. And if I'm your only connection, because I'm a representative of Christ. So right. if I represent my way, like I'm supposed to with love, mm-hmm. then maybe that'll be the connection for you to be like, oh, OK, well, you know, because you right. might not ever go. But in that moment, it might just be what you needed. Right. At that time. Right. You know, so that's what, you know, we don't nag people. We're not doing like this. It's just, yeah. you know, being kind and decent. And if I could tell anybody to take anything away from 
um, that is that Jesus is all about love. He loved right. everybody, mm-hmm. like everybody. The lady had at the well was had five husbands and had a man in her bed. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. He loved everybody. The pimps, everybody. prostitutes, the players, everybody. So yeah. you know, that's, Mary that's Magdalene, it. everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like all the city girls. He loved the city all the girls. city girls. Of the Bible, he loved them. I mean, they loved... would not be here if he didn't, you know, have them here. You know what I'm saying? The disciples. <laughs> he was a tax collector. Everybody hated him. You know what I'm saying? Paul was Saul was out here killing people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. he still was like, I love you. I love you. You know. So that You're that's right. the whole thing. So you know, that's and that's the other part I believe that. You're all um, my children. You're all my children. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all. That, if anybody can take anything away from this podcast, like I feel like I'm about to open the doors of church. If anybody can take anything from the podcast, it's just come on, let's have it. Come on, let's know, have some church. It's all about love. It's, it's just all about you know, love. I'm just a big love muffin. That's all. Yeah. You think Jesus and uh, God are freaky? I don't. We got all this freaky stuff going on here in the world. You think? You think that they're kind of like let's just let this happen? Let these people be a little freaky. I think they knew what was gonna go on. They yeah, just, I think. I mean, that's why we have two holes. Too, well, you know what I mean. The whole thing. <laughs> ain't nothing new under the sun. If you go back to Sodom and Gomorrah, they was doing way more wild mm-hmm. stuff in the Bible mm-hmm. than we're doing now. Mm-hmm. We were a lot more tame. They were way wilder in right. the in the uh, Old Testament. Way more bestiology. Way that's why he had to give those rules because he knew. That y'all yeah. was going to be nasty humans. That's why he had to give y'all rules yeah, and regulations. So yeah. I think we are a lot more tame than the Greeks and and all that stuff back yeah. then. Like yeah. a lot more. Yeah. A lot more tamed. You know what I'm saying? When, he's, when you said you all, you mean white people, right? <laughs> well, you know, something more than one, than one white people. No, you know I know what I'm saying? It, wasn't, but, it wasn't. But the Greeks was nasty. The Greeks, they was nasty. They put that shit on a bowl. Like, you're going to eat off these dudes. You know what I'm saying? When they talking about Instagram and what you see, you know what I'm saying? They made ceramic, they made porcelain statues, statues. of porn, of yeah. nasty stuff. My bowl. Got somebody sucking deep at the bottom of the bowl. So when I slurp the bowl, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, are we really, are we really worse now than we were then? And they made stuff to last. Like they sat there on a wheel and was like, you know what? This is going to be good. Somebody's kid is going to want a bowl of Lucky Charms. You know what I'm saying? It's the new cereal, Dickios. You know what I'm just saying? <laughs> oh my God, Melanie. I had so much fun with you. Absolutely. <laughs> me All the time. Cracking my shit up. Um, why don't you go ahead and um, plug what you need to plug for what you got coming up? Okay, well, um, I am doing the honorary mentions show with Johanna. That's going to be November nice. the 19th at uh, Trixie's. And then also coming up, I'll be at Burt's Warehouse. And that's going to be um, the Friday and Saturday after Thanksgiving. Okay. So you can catch me down there. And um, I feel like it's something else that I'm missing. Oh, I'm be at Ocean Lately's on Ocean Friday. Yeah. I don't know when this is dropping. This will probably go up in the morning. Okay, well, so. well, but, we well. will be at Ocean Lately's tomorrow if you catch this. Yep. Um, myself, um, Stephanie, hosted by Papa Sean. So if you are free and you want to get Ocean Lately'd, I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> please come through and have some fun. But most importantly, please follow me on Instagram at yep. Melanie J underscore comedy facebook melanie hearn and also youtube melanie hearn yep do you fuck with tiktok oh yeah i'm on there too yep <laughs> but i spelled my name wrong so i got i had to wait 30 days to, <laughs> i put two m's in comedy so i gotta wait 30 days to change my name <laughs> that's funny um yeah like she said old shillelagh um i'm gonna be hosting the open mic after the immediately after the showcase um and uh please come out and support that if this is out there, if not, the next one's going to be uh, December 17th. And we have no idea who is on that lineup yet. So 
taking one thing as as it comes, one thing after another. Um, also, New Dodge Lounge, uh, there is no mic on the 14th, uh, but we should be back the following Sunday. And what else do we got going on? Um, the 26th of November, I have Friday Night Jokey Jokes at Rusty Nail in Clinton Township um, that I host. So come out, support comedy, and uh, also listen to my other podcast, The MILF and the Millennial, which is always fun. We talk a lot of conspiracy theory stuff on there and weird stuff. Um, <laughs> and uh, follow me, The Downriver Diva, on Instagram and uh, on Facebook, Stephanie Ann. Also, it says The Downriver Diva on there, too. But I think I have to change it, though, Mel. I have to tell you. The drag queen that you uh, hosted or you judged uh, Brett Solferino's roast thing. Mm-hmm. She goes by the Down River Diva. Uh, I don't. I don't want beef with a fucking drag queen, right, Mel? Yeah. Like, what do I do? She's so the what Down do River I... Diva of drag queens. You are the Down River Diva of comedy. No, they you can't. Be two. You can't. There can't be two. There can only be one. It's like Highlander, motherfucker. <laughs> like wow. there cannot be two. So what do I do? Do I? I think I have to bow down because I mean, like, I'm a little sassy, but I'm not that there first. I don't know. I don't know. Whoever like, there was there first, man. Oh. Whoever name ringing more bells, man. All right, we're gonna have to come up with a new nickname for me now. Nah, <laughs> nah. My friend Sip uh, uh, came up with that nickname, Trimming Weed. We were trimming weed, and he looked at me, and he was like, you're like the downriver diva. Note to self before we close up. Yeah. We don't bow down. We don't no, bow down? We don't bow down. All right, so you want me to stand up you to You say the, your name. We don't okay. bow down. All right. This, I, I mean, they might, they might cancel me. We don't bow down. <laughs> okay, we're not bowing down. You heard it here you first, everybody. You can't cancel me over being a black woman. <laughs> bow down. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you once one more time to Melanie Hurd. This has been sanctioned by Stephanie. Bye.